Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. From my home church at Auburn, in Wilson County, there is a lady that I have known from the way I was born. Now I'm ninety-five. A few years ago, she apprised me that I was to sing at her funeral. She told me what I was to sing. She said, it's in my plans, we're all written down, but I want you to know that that's your job at my funeral. In the last year or so, she has changed her statement to me. She reminds me of my obligation every time I see her. But now she's saying, you better keep yourself well because all of the preachers that I have trained to preach, preach my funeral have died. And you're going to have to do it. Now she hasn't told me what she wants me to preach. She uh, did tell me what she wanted me to say. I want to preach your funeral this morning. Have you ever had that done? We usually wait until people die before we do that. I want to preach a normal funeral this morning, but I want to preach yours. I don't know how you're going to react to it. It depends upon which side of eternity your future is, as to how you might react. I've preached lots of funerals over the years. In a period of two weeks, I preached the funerals of three newborn babies. The hardest thing I ever had to do as a pastor. It is not difficult for me to plan, prepare, to preach the funeral of this lady that I have referred to. to. I look forward to doing it. Because it will be a service of celebration. There will be praising God in that service that will will glorify the Lord for giving us a lady and the way she's going, it's going to be over a hundred for the time that comes. And we will unite together in that church service that day to praise God for she has been a Christian more years than I am old. She has been the foundation of that church. Although the family will weep and will suffer loss, and the members of that community and the members of that church will feel grief for her leaving, I can assure you that we will be praising God for having given her to us for so many, many years. That's the kind of service we ought to have when it comes to a funeral. But I can't always preach that type of sermon that I will on, on her day. 
because there are times that people ask me to perform the service for a person that has never made any claim whatever of being a Christian. That becomes a difficult task. So where can the glory be? Where can the praise be? Where can the smiles be? Well, not only have we lost someone who has been dear and loving to us, but beyond that, we know eternity is one of eternal damnation for that soul. And that's the real tragedy of a funeral for the lost. But we're not going to dwell upon that tragedy this morning, but look at it in a different light. Benjamin Franklin is buried in Christ Church Cemetery in Philadelphia. He wrote his own epitaph. If you ever go to Philadelphia, go to the cemetery and read what he wrote. These are the words that are on his tombstone. I want you to listen to them. It says this, The body of Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its content torn out and stripped of its lettering, and gilding lies here food for worms. But the work will not be lost, for it will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. Isn't that great? I, I just love those words. Because for the Christian, death is not the final word. It's just the introduction into something that is eternal. That's all it is. Just a short interlude here upon earth in preparation for an eternity. And if the preparation is, is as it ought to be, and proper and prepared as it should be, it will be a service to celebration. Now, we have been told that death and taxes are inevitable. And I suppose basically that's true. We can't get out of this life without paying our taxes and also without going through death. There may be, a, there will be a few people someday, and it may be in our time, or some of you, some of us, may escape actual physical death if the Lord returns before our physical death. But to the Greek, to whom Paul was certainly writing, death was the finality. The body they believed went back to the grave, and there it stayed. They did believe the soul went to God but that it was absorbed within the God's hill and like a drop of water in an ocean lost its total identity and was, was never known of again. But Paul says in the words that we wrote, he gives us a new concept. He says that both the body and the soul will inherit heaven. Now, not in its present state, But it will. If you are a Christian, when you physically die, your body, as we know, goes to the grave. But what happens to your soul? It goes to heaven. And is that the end of it? Or not? No, not at all. 
because the scripture tells us that the Lord is going to come again and he is going to call out of the grave all of the bodies of the righteous and the body will unite with the soul and both will inherit eternal life now that's different, that's a new concept he begins here in the 50th verse to say that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And that's exactly true because flesh and blood is perishable. The very moment a baby is born, he begins the process of physical death. And if you could get a complete picture along the line of an individual from his birth to his death, we could see the beginnings of the end. I, maybe I ought to turn it around and say we could see the end from the beginning. You're a little more wrinkled than you were this time last year. When you look in the, in the mirror, you ladies particularly are concerned about covering up some of those age marks because none of us want to think in terms of the fact that we're getting any older and that we're heading for a point in which our body is going to die. Some of us will die younger than others. I do not expect to reach 95 as this lady that I've referred to has reached. I doubt that I will. My grandfather died at 76 this month, some years ago. My father is 76 right now, and he was quite concerned about that age when he had his stroke just recently. The body goes into the grave, deteriorates. Many people have been blown up in explosions, lost in war, drowned in the ocean. Once the casket is closed, or the body is lost and is put into the grave, the dirt covers it over, for the most part, the individual is forgotten. Once a year, we'll go to the cemetery to remember our dead. With the exception of a few people in my life and in your life, we forget the rest of the dead. But God doesn't. As a boy, I helped dig a grave. The only grave I've ever helped dig that I remember well. For so we dug right into a grave already in existence. We could tell that there had been a grave there, but as we dug into it, we discovered there was no body. It was an old casket, evidently, and it long since rotted away. The body was gone. And as we shoveled, I was constantly the fact, we're shoveling that guy out of here. He was totally unrecognizable from the dirt that was a part of the ground. And one of the fellows in Fort Bookie dropped his shovel and ran, and we never saw him the rest of the day. He refused to continue. But I saw the little bits of wood that was the casket, and we knew that we were in a grave. But nobody knows who's there. 
perhaps hundreds of years ago when he was buried. He brought this. And there is a day coming when the Lord says here in First Corinthians that we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The graves are going to be opened. This is the rapture that we're talking about. The next thing, we talked about this in Wednesday Night Bible Study, but for those of you who don't come, you're missing something. The next episode in the history of this world, as far as God is concerned, is when Jesus Christ is going to call out his church. He is going to take the Christian people out of the world. Those who are alive will be taken out, and those who are in the grave will be taken out. Job said, I know, but in my flesh I will see God. Now our body was so imperishable, but it will be raised imperishable, and that's what the scripture here says. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, in a moment, the Greek for a moment is atomos, A-T-O-M-O-S. It's, that's the word from which we get the word atom, which means the smallest of measures. I guess they now can split an atom, so we'll have something smaller. Very quickly, in the twinkling of an eye, your eye is the fastest moving muscle in your body. In that amount of time, God is going to call the bodies out of the grave. And out of that one grave that I helped give, there's going to come two bodies. The sea that has claimed the thousands upon thousands of lives will have to give up those bodies. They've been eaten by the fish and the sharks and deteriorated in the waters and even in all the ships that have gone down that have held the bodies, there is little left, if anything, to identify that there ever was a body. But God knows, and they will give them up in a moment instantaneous. When? At the last trump. That's a reference to the end of the church age. When we finish the seven letters to the letter to Asia, the churches in Asia Minor in Revelation, we will be at the point in Revelation that the church age ends. And we won't find the church referred to again until the very last part of Revelation because there is no more ancient, no more church. Christ established his church, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and the church will last to that point. But Christ is going to come back to get the church. And the trumpet will sound, and events will begin to take place. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. And there was reference made to this shout two or three weeks ago in Sunday school when Jesus shouted to Lazarus to come forth, but that was a whisper compared to the shout that we're going to hear on the day of the resurrection of the bodies in the grave and of the church. The trumpet will sound across this entire world, and the Lord will proclaim that the church age has ended. There is no more need for the church, and he's calling his church home. 
Now the bodies of the last will remain in the ground. For he has not yet called the last to judgment. He is calling the church to reward. King is coming. The world shall be full of his goodness and glory as waters that cover the sea. The dead shall rise. You want to see a sight? Stay near a cemetery on that day. An old chaplain of the army back in Civil War days described how that all of the men had wrapped themselves up in their blankets one winter evening and went to sleep and it had snowed a heavy snow that night. And he said, I looked out across that field and I could see nothing but just white hearts. And then the trumpet sounded and out of those little white hearts rose bodies. He said it reminded me of what's going to happen on the day of the resurrection. For out of the little graveyards and out of the oceans and out of every place where there is a body of a Christian, there will be a resurrection. And these bodies will be changed. The last recollection I have of my grandfather was a very stupid individual that had been raped with arthritis as long as I can remember. His hands were drawn, he was nearly doubled over and could not stand up and he spent the last few years of his life in a wheelchair. And I thought of this the other way as well several days ago when I got that very same wheelchair for my daughter to use while she's uh, recovering from her cancer problems. When he comes out of that grave, he's not going to be stooped. And his hands aren't going to be drawn. For he's going to be changed. He's going to have a perfect body. And those people who die with all of the diseases of this world the blind who cannot see, the cripple of every nature, will suddenly discover that they have lost all of their frailties and will come forth out of the grave to an eternal life that is full of perfection. There will be no cripples in heaven. There will be no blind in heaven. The brother is one other thing that will be in heaven. There will be no sin in heaven. We're sinners now, but we're saved by grace in the Christian. But on the day of his calling us out of this world, we'll be transformed into a perfect creature by the power of God. If our bodies are grave, it'll be transformed. When we're still yet alive, we'll be transformed and meet the Lord in the air.
In the 51st or 54th verse of this great chapter, Paul says, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Right now, death is a terrible enemy. You and I will face death many times in our life. Some of you have been at death's door and came back. But all of us know someone who has been dear to us that has been taken away by the power of death and it has caused us pain. It has broken love's relationships. It's disrupted families. It's caused grief. It has invaded our lives and destroyed a part of our happiness. But the scripture says, one day death will be swallowed up in victory. Paul almost ridicules death or Satan, if you will, when he cries out, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Where is it? It seems like death has conquered us and taken away from us that which we love most dearly. No, no. There's just a short interlude. And the Lord is going to call death to account and destroy us and that which we thought was our end has suddenly just been revealed as our beginning. The Paul says the strength of sin is the law. You know what the law requires? The law requires for us to be perfect. I can't be perfect because I am afraid none of you can be perfect. You can't get into heaven unless you're perfect. So you're not going to go? Oh, yes. Because you see, we cry to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't be perfect. And he says, yes, I know. That's why I sent my own son down to that earth to be perfect for you. And to die for you so that you don't have to. And then what do you do? He said, here, I give it to you. I give Oh, great, where is the victory? There isn't any. Paul concludes in that 57th verse by saying, Thanks be to God which gives us the victory. It's us. Not grave, not death, but us. He gave us the victory. That's why a funeral ought to be a celebration of victory. 
burned, it cannot be. Unless you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be a service of defeat. A service of defeat. A service of absolute separation. And only if you accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior can you have a sermon preached over you that will be one of celebration. Now I come back to the beginning of the sermon. You may never ask me to preach for a funeral, which is perfectly all right with me. I've already preached it. What I want to know is what kind of a sermon is going to be preached the day you're stretched out in the church. One of victory and one of defeat. It depends upon what you have done with Jesus Christ. Have you accepted him? If your funeral are conducted today, then we praise God because of you. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, won't you accept him as your Savior this morning as we sing our invitation to Our Father, we pray by the Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.